honor of hearing Jesus' words to us from Luke, the 15th chapter. Jesus is telling a story and he says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I tend to lose things in threes. How about you? First it's my keys, then it's my coffee, and then it's my patience. Right? Right as you're trying to get out the door in the morning, I lose things in threes. And I don't know about you, um, but it's never usually my fault. (laughs) And so today we make this claim as Christians that everything is a gift. And I'll be honest, whenever I hear that, I feel like, hmm, that seems a little sugary for me. Everything is a gift? I don't know about that. I'm not sure if I, everything is a gift. But you have to remember where we've been. We've been at Christmas. Here, where we've heard this good news that Jesus has come into the world as the light that no darkness can overcome. And so here we are, weeks, months later, still wondering how do we literally live in the light of Jesus being in our lives? How are we supposed to live? So what does it mean that everything then is a gift? Because not everything is a gift. And I think one of the most common human experiences is losing something, right? Your keys, your phone, someone. And this is where this ad from the Super Bowl really got me last week. Watch this with me, would you? Loretta hated my mustache. (laughs) Remember, Loretta loved going to Alaska and scallops. Show me photos from our anniversary. Remember, she always snorted when she laughed. Play our favorite movie. (laughs) 
remember? I'm the luckiest man in the world. Come on, boy. Man, why does that ad mess with us, right? This is the Super Bowl. The ads are supposed to make us laugh, <laughs> not cry. But what is it about that particular story that seems to touch something so close to our hearts that as if to name that loss truly is the human experience that we all share? We all have experienced losing something or someone. And what do we do about it? Well, it's interesting what Google would say, right? Google would say, well, buy our stuff, use our email, use our search engine, and that's going to help you do what? What is it the promise? It's going to help you remember, right? But it's going to help you remember. But I have to tell you, friends, as your pastor and as a professional loser of things, um, that all of the things that promise things to us, like to help us remember or to do things, they never really work. Because even Google, with all of its power and all of its know-how and all of its reach, it can't fix a broken heart, nor can it raise someone from the dead. And it's interesting because lots of times I see that the fix that we try to get, right, the band-aid that we try to put over our broken hearts it, 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 it doesn't really stick, and so the fix becomes a bigger problem than our broken hearts in the first place. So we start settling for relationships, for example, and we wonder why at the other end of them we feel used and, and really like I wasn't a part of it in the first place. Or maybe I'll just have a couple of beers just to kind of knock down things a little bit, and then we start hiding bottles in the trash, Right? The fix becomes worse than the problem in the first place. So then how are we supposed to live? How do we address our broken hearts since that's the universal kind of experience that that story was lifting up? Well, it's interesting because in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us three stories back to back to back about loss. About loss. There is a lost sheep. There is a lost coin, and then there's a lost son. Maybe it's a lost dad. We don't really know yet, right? And it's interesting because Luke is the only one who tells this story. Nowhere else in the stories of Jesus do we hear this one. But here it is in front of us today. And it's interesting because as you get into the story, you see there's ten silver coins and one is lost. Well, the actual word for it is a drachma. A drachma is equivalent to a week's worth of wages. So I want you to think and do some quick math in your head. What's ten weeks of wages in your life? I don't know about you. One of them being gone, that's a big deal, right? I mean, how much would you get off the couch for to start sweeping the sweeping around a little bit for is it five bucks you know like what's going to motivate you off the couch to be like I'm going to tear into the house a little bit try to find something right we all know what those things are like it's interesting in confirmation this year we've been using these little booklets that kind of have some core Christian claims in them 
One of them on baptism is what we've been using to celebrate this entire series, what we based it on. And I love my Wednesday night confirmation kids. Man, they've been up since oh dark 30. And then they come and they deal with high school all day and all of that. And then they do their after school thing. And then they got to do dinner and check in with their families or whatever. And then they come to here, to church, right? Seven o'clock at night after a long and full day in a dark fellowship hall with me <laughs> for an hour. And I say to them, hey guys, um, under one of the chairs in the entire fellowship hall here is a Starbucks gift card. I've hidden one under the chair. You should have seen the reaction. Nothing. <laughs> they just stared at me. <laughs> I think they must be used to me messing with them a little bit. <laughs> They're like, no, there's not one there. Actually, there was. <laughs> and finally, when they realized I wasn't teasing them, they got up and they were just searching and they were tearing through the fellowship hall and looking under all the chairs and, you know, doing everything. And then it was found and you should have seen it. It was like, yes, this roar went up in the room and the kids all started celebrating and their parents are clapping. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Right? Like, well, it was 10 bucks. They're going to get coffee too. So like, they're, you know, they're clapping and there's this big celebration why? Because there was one key thing I wanted them to remember about God, is that God always comes to us. God is the one doing the searching, even when we're not. And so for them to see and to feel what it's like to urgently look for something, to find it and then to celebrate it together. Because God comes to us too in the midst of our broken hearts, in the midst of our bad days, in the midst of our good days, in the midst of these incredible life moments. God is with us. God's with us folding the laundry too. God is with us and God comes to us. And that, my friends, is the gift. That's everything. That's the gift that we celebrate that God has chosen to come to us even in the midst of whatever. That's why God sends Jesus crucified and risen into our lives to remind us that there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And I'm getting a little ornery about this, I realize, but friends, I feel like the church in America has said that Jesus has been reduced to a choice and not a relationship. But friends, remember the relationship. You didn't choose me, Jesus said. I chose you. I chose you. In the midst of whatever has gone on in your life, in the midst of wherever the dead end feels like you're running into today. And so instead of words like loss, our life is defined by words like found and forgiven and free. That is the truth that God brings to us each and every day, to hold on to that. So, back to the story, how are, then are we supposed to, to live in light of this? How are we called to be in the world? And so here's three just quick opportunities for you to think about. If everything is a gift and Jesus has already taken care of everything, including sin, death, we then can be about God's work in the world today, this coming week. So what could it look like for you? Right? Well, 
the woman says, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that, that I had lost. I don't know about you, but lots of times we talk to our younger people and we try to say that when we make a mistake, we're supposed to own them, right? Are you with me on that? We try to say, we, we try to own our mistakes, right? It's kind of being an adult. But I don't know about you, I mean, how many adults do you know, maybe in your life, who, even though that's true, have this incredible capacity to tell incredible stories about how they weren't the cause of the problem. It was everything else but them. <laughs> I see some rolling of eyes. I think I know what you're talking about, right? Well, one of the opportunities that God always gives to us is when we bring our honest words to God, God brings an honest word to us. That's why we start worship with confession and forgiveness. So that we can be set free to be about God's work in the world. So what could that look like? Well, the first thing is to light a lamp because light is a gift, right? I wonder, do you have one name on your head and on your heart today of someone in your life, someone in your orbit, who feels like they might be walking in some darkness right now, that they're struggling, that you know could use a little light in their life. Do you have a name right now? It's okay even if it's you. Here's the opportunity. Could you be the one to bring some light into their life? Call them up, check in on them, visit with them. I don't know. You know them better than me. And you have been called to be light because in Luke 15 we're seeing that just as God was the one searching, so we can be too. Just as someone lit a lamp, we can light a lamp too. So who needs a little light in this coming week? The second opportunity is to sweep the floor. I don't know about you, sometimes that spring cleaning is something we all need, right? Whether it's in our homes, in our heads, or in our hearts. Don't go on social media if it's going to make you cranky. <laughs> Find some other ways to be connected to the world. But friends, sweep the floor. Help someone else do that too. The third invitation is to include others in the party. Did you notice at the end of each of these three stories that Jesus tells back to back, it ends with an invitation. There's a celebration that happens when someone receives the good news that there are no strings attached to God's love. There's a celebration that happens, and friends, we get to invite others to experience that same good news that motivates our lives, that moves us into the world. Now, here's the truth. I'm not asking you to do all three. <laughs> I can't do all three. Light a lamp, sweep the house. Invite someone to the party. Can't do them all, but we can do one. So I wonder, which one is the Holy Spirit prompting you to experience in this coming week? Which one is it kind of motivating you a little bit? And I just simply pray by the grace of God that you might know that even in the world where loss seems so front and center, and it touches someplace so deeply here, that our God, that our Jesus, who is our brighter light, is with you and has set you free to be about God's work in the world. May that be good news for you today and always. Would you join me in prayer?
loving God, we know so deeply about loss, and yet you know so deeply about resurrection, about good news, about life again. And so we come to you, Lord, just asking for your help to help us see that your light will guide us in this coming week. As people come in front of us, as situations come in front of us, help us hear your spirit. Help, it, help us as we try to seek to live faithfully in light of you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people say.